0: And this is a different kind of a letter than a lot of the ones that he wrote. Often he wrote to a particular church or group of churches to deal with whatever issue was going on in that church at that time. But in the Roman letter, Paul had not yet been to Rome. He would not yet been to these churches. He is introducing himself and the basic uh, beliefs that he had about God and Jesus Christ. So he lays out his theology in the letter to the Romans. And a key part of that theology is what Chris alluded to, that we are saved by grace through faith, and there is nothing that we can do or need to do to be loved by God. God simply loves us because that is the nature of God. In Romans 4, verses 1 through 12, just preceding what I'm about to read, Paul uses Abraham's story to show that Abraham didn't have to do anything to earn God's divine favor, And where we pick it up, Paul talks about what that means for us. So let us listen for God's word again. For the promise that Abraham would inherit the world did not come to him or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. And I'll just tell you right now, that's a whole other sermon right there. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he drew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God being fully convinced that God was able to do what God had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words "it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses, and was raised for our justification. A word of God that is still speaking Thanks be to God. So, part of of the questions that come to mind as I read through Paul's letter to the Romans and specifically this this text here is, do you believe God brings life out of death? Do you believe that, that God can raise the dead? Do you believe that God wants to bring light and love to all of the dead and dark places in your life? Do you trust God to give you a sense of hope when all seems hopeless? And do you believe God can use you to bring hope to others? In a way, those are the central questions of the gospel and the central questions of our lives, because your answer to them will impact how you live and how you experience life and how you experience and relate to other people. Today, we're going to baptize DJ Boyd. DJ's two years old, he has no clue what baptism is about. He knows there's water in the bowl, and that's about all he knows about what's going to happen this morning. Baptism symbolizes the ultimate work of God, raising Jesus Christ from death to new life. And it symbolizes, for those of us who are baptized, our participation in God's life-giving power. As we die to old ways of doing things, to old beliefs that everything depends on us, to the belief system that says our past defines us, and the belief that we have to be worthy of God's grace. When we are baptized, we symbolically die to a vision of the future that looks more like a dystopian world than the realm of God. And we rise up to new life that celebrates God is still active in the world and We are grounded in God's grace and God's love. We rise to a new life that has hope for the future and for tomorrow, to a belief that with God all things are possible, and we rise to a new life that participates in the renewal of the world. In the old way of baptizing in a lot of our more um, fundamentalist style churches in the United States, Uh, And although I've done a few of these myself, uh, they do baptism by immersion, where it is more, you get more of that symbolism there. As you go down into the water, you are symbolically dying, and as you rise up, you rise up to new life. Now, um, just because people ask, well, if that's what it means, why do you only sprinkle? Here's my joke for you for the day, so please laugh at the end of it. Um, A Baptist and a Presbyterian were having this conversation about, you know, how you do baptism. And the Presbyterian was asking the Baptist, well, is it enough if you just stand in the water up to your knees? And the Baptist said, no. Well, how about up to your waist? No. How about up your shoulders? No. How about just up to your nose? Is that enough? And the Baptist goes, no, that's not enough. How about all the way up to the top of your head? And the Baptist says, finally, you got it. You have to get the top of your head wet. And Presbyterians say, fine, we can do that without changing clothes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, a little bit of a laugh, thank you there. (laughs) Baptism is a symbolic act, it is not magic, Um, but but it is that symbolic dying to the old and rising to the new. Now, there are people who grew up believing, and and I know some in this congregation have wrestled with this, uh, both online and and in person here, uh, believing that baptism is necessary to get you into heaven. It is the ritual that guarantees you that access, and so it's not uncommon for people to ask me when a child dies who has not been baptized, what's the fate of that child? And my answer to them is a question. Do you think any parent would condemn their child for eternity to a life without God? Because they or their parents did not perform a specific ritual. It's not the God I know. Baptism isn't a ticket to heaven. It's a response of faith to the God who loves us. And who has loved us since before we were born. And who calls us to a life full of love and meaning and generosity. To a new life no matter what our age. And this is what Paul was talking about when he talked about our being saved by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing. In other words, we are saved, we are loved by a loving God who will never let us go. We are saved not by following the law, as Paul said, and the law often involved doing very specific rituals for specific reasons at specific times. We are not saved by following the law or by anything, doing anything, including a ritual, but we are saved purely by the grace of God. You don't even have to have faith. This is just what God does. It is not dependent on you at all. You are not saved by having faith. You are saved by grace, unearned unconditional, faith is your response to that. DJ's parents are bringing him for baptism because they want him to know that unconditional grace of a God who loves him, who will always be with him, who will guide him, and no matter what, will never let him go. Because of their faith, they are bringing him for baptism. And that means when life gets hard, DJ's going to be able to do what the reformer Martin Luther did on especially difficult days. He would make the sign of the cross on his forehead and say, remember, Martin, you are baptized. You're not alone. God is with you, and God will never let you go no matter what. And so, Martin Luther could face the dragons of his day and continue to walk in faith and continue then to live a life that has ultimately blessed us. Through baptism, D.J. will know something else. God is in the business of bringing life out of death and hope when there is no hope. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son. It was an impossible promise. As Paul so bluntly said, Sarah's womb was barren and Abraham was as good as dead. And yet when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90, they had a son. Through the waters of baptism, we participate in Christ's life and death and resurrection. Dying to those ways that diminish us and others. Dying to those things that want to make us beholden to them. That brings so much destruction to our world and to the souls of people, and we rise to this new life, made possible by the unconditional love and grace of God. Again, this is why faith is a response to what God has done for us, a response to God's love. It is a way of life. As you well know, DJ is going to grow up in a world that will tell him that you are what you produce. You have to earn respect It isn't automatically given to you. You have to prove your value, and you better not mess up because we live in a one strike and you are out world. But he's going to hear a different message from God and from this community of faith, that he is loved just as he is, that God will be by his side every day of his life, guiding him into a way of life that is meaningful and gives hope to others. He's going to hear that when he messes up, we won't turn our backs on him. He is still loved, and he is forgiven, and he can start again. And when he forgets who he is, we will remind him that he is a child of God, an heir to a future that is full of hope and promise. Ultimately, faith isn't about having the tools to feel good about yourself in a stressful world, and it isn't a ticket to eternity. It's a way of life that reminds us of who we are. Now, my favorite part of the Abraham story, Abraham and Sarah, is where God calls them and says, and you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was actually his charge. It was God God was saying, I'm not calling you to be my special people so you can have this, this, the best neighborhood in heaven. I'm calling you so that others will be blessed and know that they are loved. The blessing comes from others hearing and experiencing from us what we've experienced from God and hopefully from the church. That they also don't have to prove themselves. That they also are loved just as they are. And that a life lived in love is empowering and freeing and joyful and brings hope to the world. I think it's safe to say we are not always a blessing to others. It's one reason it was so nice to see so many more churches at the Pride Festival this weekend because the church has not always been a blessing to the LGBTQIA plus community. We have not. Even in our history, our past, this church has not always been a blessing to others there. But we learn and we grow because if we say God can look at DJ and say, your past doesn't define you. Our past doesn't have to define us either, and we can start over. We have known in our own lives and in our church what unconditional love is like and forgiveness. Unfortunately, we can say we have been known to make our love and forgiveness of others conditional, though. We've been known to, hurt, uh, we've been known to hold grudges. We've been known to nurse hurts. We've been known to draw lines in the sand and says, God may forgive you, but I don't. My standard's higher than God's. And when God erases that line, we've been known to draw it again. We've been known to judge people for not being what we think they should be like. And we have been known to live as if God was not in the business of bringing life out of death so we have not been perfect either as a church or as individuals and unfortunately when we live in that what paul would call the old way of life it doesn't exactly encourage other people to know god's love and grace does it it doesn't exactly encourage people to have hope for tomorrow and we often make the excuse "No, we're only human but we need to remind ourselves every moment is a moment to make another choice about how we want to live our lives. If we could remember when we slip that we are loved unconditionally by God, then we can make a different choice in that moment and say, because of that, I may have messed up last moment, but I'm going to do better this moment, and I'm going to start over, and I'm going to be that person that shows others that God really is a God of love. It requires that we set aside our hurts and judgments and choose a better way. It requires that we love when we may not feel like it. It requires that we act in hope when logic says it's futile. And it requires that we give generously even when we are afraid. When we can do all those things. A couple things happen. Number one, we show others that we have faith in a God who is bigger than we are And number two, as we start to do those things, we actually learn that it does help. It brings hope to others. It changes us, and it changes those around us. And then we are able to respond in faith even more quickly and in greater ways the next time because we will see the results of when we've done it just a little bit. We would do well to do what Martin Luther did every now and then. And remind ourselves, we are baptized. We live this new life. We are loved unconditionally. We are guided. We are forgiven. And we are called to live a life that blesses others. We need to remind ourselves of that. Because I don't know about you, but even I forget that every once in a while. When you get right down to it, though, when you make that choice to live in faith, It is our response to what God has already done. It is a choice. When you make that choice to live in faith, when you choose to live a life that blesses others, you're blessed too. And when you live a way that blesses others and you find that blessing in yourself, it does remind you, God is in the business of bringing hope out of chaos and life out of death. As we baptize DJ today, I hope that all who are baptized remember you are blessed by God and loved unconditionally. There's nothing you can ever do to erase that love or to make God turn God's back on you. So live in the grace of that good news. And then choose to live in such a way that you share that with others In both word and deed. Amen.